Girl Clothing is so much more than clothing. We are a movement. We have collectively decided to stop seeing each other as competition and instead seeing each other as sisters because we believe that is why we are held back as a gender and we are tired of it. So we are coming together, sharing our stories, our experience, strength, and hope to know that we are not alone and to hear that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and we are moving forward. It is 100% girl power. We know that if the women energy is not lifted up across this planet, we are doomed as a human race and we are here to change the game. So please help me welcome back our host, Tavra Lee. You are listening to Girl Talk and I have Lady Coquine with me today. Hi. Thanks for joining me on Girl Talk. How are you today? I'm doing great. I am absolutely loving meeting so many amazing women. Yes, there are lots of amazing women at this conference. Yeah, the Girl Army is like this super um, growth-oriented, supportive, amazing tribe of women. Yeah, I've been really energized by all the different people here today and just talking to the people next to me in the conference room has just been really nice. Yeah. So um, we are still at Girl Live in Las Vegas. I'm glad to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me. No problem. And for those of you that don't see any pictures, because I'm going to put a bunch of pictures up, but if you want to go back and look at Lady Coquine, you're going to see some super fabulous hair. <laughs> Well, I am a super villain. That's my persona. You super villain. Yeah. yeah. Well, you look like a super villain. Super fab, super villain. All the all the supers. Yeah. Super fly. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got to put super fly in there too because <laughs> I'm an '80s child, so I like super fly. <laughs> um, okay. So, where would you like to start? Uh, you. I mean, I thought you were asking me the questions today, <laughs> but I can turn it around on you. All well, we got to do is turn the tables. Well, I no. I well, let's talk about um, how you got into podcasting. You're going to ask me a question. Yep. That, okay. I, first of all, high five for the first question for me today. Um, I got into podcasting because when I started my business in 2017, I found it hard, even though I knew my field really well, which is I come from the nonprofit sector. And I opened a business in the sector, in the side of the table where I'm helping businesses develop community investment strategies. So I know my stuff really well. But doing it for me is a totally different ballgame. And I had so many amazing women come into my life that helped me, that, that run multi-million dollar successful businesses, and literally just lended me a hand. Just, even just a supportive shoulder to keep me going forward that I started Grit and Grace, which is the podcast, the other pod, one of the other podcasts I have. And it was strictly around this idea of the women that supported me have messages that I know would be able to help other women. So I started just sharing their expertise and their knowledge. And... You know, here we are, year and somewhat later, and um, Girl Talk will actually be my third podcast. Cool. Yeah, my other podcast is called Shock and Awe 2.0, where we are saluting veterans with grace. And my co-host is a Purple Heart recipient, single-leg amputee, and he is amazing. So we are featuring all the nonprofit organizations that are supporting veterans in the state of Colorado. And, and now nationally, it's gone. So pretty exciting. Cool. So you're giving, you're giving you know, young female entrepreneurs kind of the the inside look and the resources to people who have some success, you're sharing their insight with them. That's pretty cool too. Sharing the privilege, sharing, because not everyone can make those friends, right? Yeah, exactly. I am am very aware that I have the type of personality that goes out and gets what I need, but I also know that it's 4% of female-owned businesses succeed. 
uh, depending on how you define success. Um, but I feel that. I feel right? that. I'm a female entrepreneur, so I feel so that. So you, you get that. So if I can do one tiny little bit to help other female-owned businesses and entrepreneurs um, or, or even women in business take that next step just by sharing the expertise and knowledge of others that have been there, I feel like I've, I've, I've done something incredible. And, and, you know, I'm still running my business at the same time, so I'm learning. That's actually the best What's part. What's your biggest lesson that you've learned? Hmm. In business or as a whole since I've started out on my own? I was kind of thinking in business, but I, I feel like those two are pretty connected too, so they might be related. Hmm. I think the business, the big, the biggest lesson that I've learned is around resilience. Just that the, everything that I've been through in the course of my life as a human being has given me the tools to feel comfortable taking steps in uncharted territory. That's, that's hard to do. And I think that being resilient and being fluid all the time is really important because shit happens. Life gets hard. Things change, right? And as they do, just still being willing to go inside yourself, drive from what's inside outwardly as you grow, uh, that's, that's, that's what's gotten me here. But you know, you've asked enough questions about me. It's, it's, mm. it's, <laughs> and, and, and kudos to you because I, I love it that somebody asked me some questions. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> we're just two um, ladies having a chat. I know. We're two <laughs> ladies having a chat. So, but tell me about you. Tell me about your business. Uh, I have a queer greeting card business and a coaching business. Uh, I started a business called Gay Pigeon. Um, had the idea with a, somebody else in 2012 and then took it on my own a little while later. And it is greeting cards with a fun message. And I'm going to pass oh. I'm going to pass you a sticker right now. I want to see the sticker. Yes. I, I like stickers. Yeah. Um, it has a fun, uh, bird logo and the bird, um, likes to give positive body, positive messages. So the idea behind the sticker is that maybe you could put it on your mirror or put it on your phone and it could be your like selfie sticker. Cause the bird says you are fabulous. Oh, crrr. and yeah, so it's, it's a fun message. I, I would sell cards that are for, um, LGBT community focus. Also, you know, like happy transitioning cards. I have a card for, um, uh, congratulations on your new chest if you've had gender reassignment oh, surgery. Nice. Um, queer greeting cards. But then also, uh, since I feel like the I have this male fetish, I think, that started a long time ago. I loved receiving mail, I loved getting mail. So the the gay pigeon is like a part of me. And I also am a queer femme, but I'm also like love weed and weed culture. So a lot of some of the cards are snarky and have like weed themes like best buds or... Um, one of them is your love takes me higher and there's oh, like some good. joints yeah. on it. And then they also have like pre-roll cards for joints that you can like put the thing that's like, I've got high standards. And then there's like, you can put a little pre-roll in it and it says like, that's why I love you. Things like that. So just like positive queer messages. And then I also have a business mindset coaching business that I started last year and it's primarily geared toward people who are in the performance industry mm. or like, or in some type of, they own their own small business, whether it be them or their own like physical um, performance entity. So whether they have like a production company or something like that. So helping performers get that started because as an artist, I feel like lots of people have creative ideas, but they don't know how to run a business. And yeah. I'm very go get her, very motivated and have taught myself a lot of those things and just passing on that knowledge. That's excellent. Um, 
A couple of things. So where where do you live? I live in Portland, Oregon. Oh. Keeping it weird in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> I, isn't there a documentary about Portland right now that's out that's about Portland's not doing so great? I have no idea about that. Okay. But uh, I, I mean, Portland's in a weird place right now. People are moving to it from all over. and Is it because of weed? I, I mean, I think the weed industry is like... <sighs> It's, it's, it's but it's also like crazy cheap. Like like there's too much weed actually in Oregon right now. So oh. weed is like so cheap. Um, but I think people are just moving there because it's like, you know, it has pretty good weather. It's on a co- you know it's close to the mountain, close to the coast. It's really creative. I think people have been hearing about it, and now they're just moving there, and it's cheaper than yeah. the Bay Area. Right. Right. Well, it's definitely cheaper than Denver. I mean, Denver's had such a massive boom. Um, which is where I'm from, and we would like it to slow down just a little because it's it's making it a difficult city to live in. Which yeah, is same with Portland. It has yeah. some growing pains right now. Yeah, a little bit more traffic, housings. Yeah. You know, they're put, they can't put it up fast enough. I feel like, and right. it's just causing the market to just have really in, uh, like inflated prices for housing. It's not great. Right, and the, the, that also just means that the infrastructure has not caught up. It's true. Yeah. And there was, there's no way to predict infrastructure growth based upon the legalization of weed. I mean, let's just face it. There's no way we could have predicted that. And that, that's been a big challenge in Colorado. In fact, speaking of that, I'm a part of the Tracks Team Coalition in Colorado, which is a group of female-owned businesses that are experts and service providers in the cannabis field but are women. So awesome. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of interesting. I mean, I'll say that I'm on the peripheral of that only just because the corporate social responsibility piece that I do is a part of a lot of um, cannabis compliance um, license, you know, requirements. But it doesn't necessarily mean that a lot of uh, stores or locations are actually following the plan. They just submit a plan. Doesn't necessarily means that mean mean means that it actually happens. So my role is to come in and help any business that really wants to take what their you know their compliance regulations are, but actually grow it into a mutually beneficial business between the community and the business. So it's beneficial to the business. You know, I don't ever have the belief that a company should just continue to write checks or volunteer time. I think it should be a win-win between the business and the nonprofit. So um, that's that's my role. A lot of the women are engaged at a very significant level of compliance training, auditing, any types of systems that take place within the cannabis industry. Because it's like any industry, you have all the same services needed in any industry. The difference is people that are working in the cannabis industry oftentimes are still facing that stigma. So that's yeah. that's a, lo- a large part of what I see the transitioning happening in. I definitely feel like the cannabis industry has made way for lots of women business owners because there's been no precedence in this market before that women can get in at the ground level. I've seen I've I've worked with many um, female business owners in the cannabis industry, whether they make edibles or mm. have their own dispensary or make accessories like mine that can be sold in dispensaries, like greeting cards or yeah. bags or art. Like there there are so many female opportunities that are being driven. It's really nice to see. I also hope that there's like an opportunity for um, more people of color to also like integrate in that industry since they've been so disproportionate with how they have been treated with cannabis crimes and things like that. It'd be great to see them have a space in that, too. You know, we could go on a total side rant and just talk about that for the whole show. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I want to know. I mean, I want to know why has the law not caught up from previous crimes? Even yeah. when it was not legal, I get it. But the way things are now, I wonder why is that not transitioning that way? I, you know, I saw a funny meme that really, or like a, a post, like someone had like, 
you know, screenshotted a Twitter post. I don't remember who it was, so I can't give you correct credit, but it was uh, a POC person and they wrote something like, when your dispensaries are starting to look like Apple stores, we need to let people out of jail. And I'm like, yes, yeah. like they are. They're so, you know, retail and merchandise now. And, and it's fancy. And like, every corner. Yeah. And fancy. Yeah, That's what, fancy. yeah. There's a lot of fancy yeah. upscale dispensaries in Portland. And it's, it's definitely a look. I'm not saying I kind of, I, I like some of them, but some of them are just like too much, like too much branding for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, if they're starting to do that, why, why can't we let some of these people out? So one of the other endeavors that I do as I produce a show in Portland and we, we have a special, uh, so the other producer and I, she's also a female, we're, we're, we're not, um, we're both queer, but we're definitely white. And so once a year we do an all POC show. So they, we have all POC performers, we hire all POC hosts and tip tarts and everything so there's no white people on stage and this wow. year we raised money for the metro area defense fund which created a clinic to expunge records of poc people in the portland area oh and that's so there amazing. is some efforts going toward that in the portland area i hope that that'll be a continue i know that the city has a grant that they can apply to i think it was like a couple million dollars um to help people who have been affected by cannabis crimes either expunge their records or start businesses. Mm. So that's a pretty cool thing that's happening, but it's definitely more money needs to be going to that in my opinion. But yeah. Interesting. I just made a note here. I do want to, I'll put the link to that organization in the show notes. Yeah, totally. Like. That'd be yeah. interesting. Yeah. So tell, tell me more about your performances. What are your, <laughs> what are your shows like? Uh, man, I'm a mix. That's why I'm a super villain. Cause I do it all. Uh, everything from circus, burlesque, singing, storytelling. Um, I enjoy all those things and kind of integrated them into this personality that I created and kind of used the supervillain platform to disrupt the norm, you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm up to evil, but maybe I'm just disrupting things, you oh. know? Like, you know? I see. Yeah. I, there's a little sass in there, too. Well, uh, definitely. <laughs> maybe, maybe not a little, maybe a, a lot. lot of sass. A yeah. lot of sass. This is, this is why I connected with you right away. Because it's, it's all about the sass. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so you know what? I want you to tell me a little bit about your upbringing because I, I know that looking at you now, you are positivity, you are light, you are a change maker. You know, I don't. I hope you. I hope you know that that is a big thing to be. Um, but I also know that it's not easy. Most people that get to the place that you're at, that are able to really stand up for others in some capacity or another, do so because they have faced some type of challenge to get there because I, honestly without without that I want to say that fortitude of of strength you wouldn't be able to do it yeah so I know that there's a lot underneath the surface that you've been through to get to here I mean I think a lot of that credit goes to my mom my mom was pretty much a single parent raising me. She's actually like downstairs from me right now. <laughs> um, uh, she she joined me on this trip for part of it. Um, she's just an awesome person and a really strong woman too and just set that example. And then I think that by setting that example that allowed me to take that even further and now I've set the example for her. So she's definitely like taking some cues from me of just like changing her opinion on some things and it's really neat to see like how I've influenced her for the, the better just on you know, even just like 20 years ago, like LGBT issues and things like that, you know, uh, those were the things that we were talking about. And I think just being somebody who is queer and having queer friends and bringing them home and just, you know, seeing that, I think my mom just changed her opinion. You know, she didn't really wasn't 
somebody who who necessarily thought that maybe we were born that way, but definitely like is a huge supporter now. She's always been as a she's a social worker and she works with people, so she's like understands that human element in a lot of things. And I think that yeah, she definitely has changed my opinion. She's taught me some amazing lessons. Um, definitely have overcome challenges, of course, um, from from being made fun of and and. To, you know, to the point where I had to like change schools when I was a kid because I didn't fit in. I didn't look the way I wanted to be. But was that and what, what age was that? Oh, pardon me. <laughs> um, it was third grade, so I'm not really sure. Yeah. Was that like eight, so, not ten? <laughs> but, why did, but why did you have to change schools? Um, I went to a new school because we moved, and when I got to that school, the I had always been bullied and made fun of. But at that point, it was just coming in. At this school, at that point, I hadn't, I didn't know any of these people. I hadn't had any, you know, experiences with them. They just were relentless. It was just relentless. They're just coming home in tears every day. Um, I'm a large-bodied person. I'm a fat femme. I am happy to say that. And it's not like I've been a small person all my life. You know, I've always been a big person, and I've just grown into that, I think. And it just took a long time to know that, like, it's okay to look this way because I can still find my strength and power in so many other things that it doesn't, I don't need to look a certain way to find the strength and power. In fact, I, I think you might say I embrace looking different. I, you know, have an, I have a look that's like pretty intimidating and that's like totally on purpose. Um, I'm, I'm a sweetheart. I'm very kind, but I also have a really intense personality and I want people to know coming into me that like, you know, to, to, to be a little bit like, in awe or a little bit of, you know, behind, you know, like I feel like that sets up the scene of like my ability to be kind and giving in the, in that way of just being like surprise them and, and be a little yeah. intimidating, but like have it come back full circle. You're challenging the standard. Yeah. And when you challenge the standard, you have their attention. Yeah. Right? When you, when you don't fit in a box, you have their attention, then you get to bring out all that good stuff. Yeah. And I love expressing myself. I think it's like one of the only things that like keeps me mentally healthy. And so I do that with a lot of like what I wear and how I look and my makeup. And, you know, I, I love uh, theater makeup and extreme makeup looks sometimes. Today's pretty simple. But yeah, it's a, it, I definitely think that it's a fun to create and be those looks and, and have that personas on stage or mm -hmm. whenever. I mean, you're talking to somebody who uh, walks into a room in my world of business and is definitely always the odd one out uh, because I have a full sleeve of tattoos on yeah, one side. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. They're <laughs> Thank you. And, and a, a partial you know, tattoo on the other. But I can tell you in most of my business circles and the work that I do, I am always the only person with visible tattoos, let alone a, a woman. Um, so I also believe in expressing myself. Yeah. This, this is an expression. What you see on the outside of me is what's happened on the inside of me. So like this side, total side tangent again. I think you and I could talk for a really long time. <laughs> like all of these birds that I have on my shoulder, each one of them stand for a surgery that I've gone through and survived. You know, this side is for my brother-in-law that passed of brain cancer. And I built this up around him. Um, this here is the symbol for Krav Maga. And this is the tree of life, and it starts on the middle of my lower back. And I put the roots down um, at the beginning of a series of surgeries that I had. And each time my situation was precarious and I survived, I added a branch. And look where it ends on my arm. So it starts on my middle back. I feel like this is far enough. 
<laughs> that's that, that means that's that's enough of those types of situations. Yeah. So the next round of tattoos I put on my body are going to start from the ground up, just to show that I'm still flourishing in the midst of all of it. Nice. Yeah. So so one time a CEO of a successful CEO, femme CEO of a business, um, was trying to give me some advice. She could see that spark in me, um, but she's definitely farther on her journey than me. And one of the things like she told me was like come in and out like a ninja. Don't be noticed. And I really, really struggled with that because I am oh. so the opposite of that. Yeah. And I just was feeling like she does have a lot of success and she does have, but she, you know, she, she, you know, she has this really like typical, like t tight haircut, um, you know, long and feminine and just like, you know, was wearing like tailored business suits and just, and just wearing a lot of black, like only black. And I just, I just, I just really struggle with that. Like, I, I understand that some attention, like, isn't always what you need. But in this place, especially when seeing all these people and these, like, colorful leggings and meeting someone like you who has, like, tattoos, it's like, I don't think that that's the prescription that works for everybody. I think that that was her experience. And I struggled with, like, believing that that was, like, maybe the only way to, like, go about this. Like, maybe I'm doing this wrong because I'm taking up um, not too much space, but taking up too much attention, like, when I walk into a room. Um, I know that sometimes when I'm with people that I'm even familiar with, like, uh, depending on what I'm wearing or what I'm looking like, a lot of people can, can be drawn to me, and whoever I'm with kind of feels like they're left in the background, and I, I don't... That's not my intention, mm -hmm. um, but that sometimes happens, and so it's like, how do you do that as a female business owner when, you, like, mm -hmm. all the men in the room, like, they want their attention, but, you know, you come in... And you shine a little bit brighter than them. And, you know, I feel like that immediately like puts like some barrier to entry for that person who for, for me or for you or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like it's automatic, this like deduction of like, uh, you know, they want so much yeah. attention. They want to look this way, you know, when it's just like it's about expressing myself and showing you that like I don't have a problem with that, you know? Yeah, I totally understand that. I, I definitely spent a big chunk of my career um, being less feminine because I worked uh, with an organization for a really long time that was primarily all men. And as a senior leadership role in that organization, I definitely was less feminine because I wanted to be respected for my voice, not for what I looked like. And, you know, I know that for some, sometimes people think it's easy to receive a certain amount of attention based upon your looks, whether good or bad, it doesn't matter. Attention is attention. I always have never felt like that. I felt like it diminishes my intelligence or my capabilities based upon my looks or my blonde hair or my curls. So I would put it away. I would wear, you know, very, um, you know, traditional suits. My hair would be in, in buns. And then maybe five years into that work, I stopped, I stopped that. I just stopped that. I started being more myself. And somewhere along the path, I realized that dimming our light for other people is, is not truly being ourselves. And if we're not truly ourselves, we don't give people the chance to get to know us on a level that really is true. And I live by that now. I live by that. That means that, yeah, you're going to walk into a room sometimes really bright and outshine other people, but you shouldn't dim your light for them. You, you shouldn't dim your light for them. No, but you should hold it for them to be cast on it. too. This, you is, know? this is it. You, yeah. show that, you show them that it's possible. Yeah. Um, but that's, that comes with wisdom, right? We learn... 
in time that the more the more that we're just who we are meant to be the more people that are going to connect with us and then when it comes to business i know that people want to do business with people they know like and trust and if you really want somebody to know and 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 trust you you have to be yourself and i think that that's that would be the second lesson. You, you only gave me the option to give the one biggest lesson I learned. <laughs> um, uh, next lesson would be always just be true to who you really are because the, the fact is we're all a little bit different. There's things that make us unique in who we are, whether it's how we present ourselves. It's, it's not just about hair and clothes. It's how, how we are inside because what we are inside projects us on the outside, right? Yeah. So I think that that individualistic part of us as women is what makes us that person that people can connect with. And in business, it's the same. Yeah. So I basically just told you that I don't like what that woman said to you. No, I don't like <laughs> it either. I don't like it either. I, I, what I, I think that I also prescribed to it for a little bit of time, whether not that long, but enough to, to realize that that wasn't going to work for me. There was no pretending to be somebody else for me. I think I struggled with that for so long that, that the ability to pretend to be someone else is just not going to happen anymore, mm. you know? And, and take and to take her route of yeah trying to do the same thing like be, be ultra masculine and and to to wear all black and mm-hmm. to look feminine and and but but like you know not cut your hair too short you know what I mean like mm-hmm. all those things like I could just see that like those are all things that she like was trying to tell me because when I wa- walked into her office like the day that I met her like I was wearing like a I look like a pinup queen. Like I was wearing this like red pencil skirt and black and white striped shirt and just like a red purse. And it was, it was, it was bright, but it wasn't, you know, it was classic bold colors, but it was like, I could tell like compared to this person who's sitting at their desk all in black, like black shoes, like, you know, dark brown hair that that's gonna, that's not the same route. You know, we're not taking the same route. And, and people noticed me when I walked in and she, she mentioned this to me that, that, you know, people noticing me takes away from her employees working. So you do realize that that woman, I would bet anything that that woman desires to express herself in the way that you do. And what she said to you is more of a reflection of what she's not able to do, not who she wants to be. No, I don't necessarily think that. I think she she was trying to to be like, hey, this is something that's worked and maybe you Hmm. should consider that, Hmm. you know, like not not being that way. I don't think, I, I think she had other ways of expressing herself. Um, but chose to, to like her appearance and clothes to not be one of them. So do you think that that hurts women? Do you think? Do you yes, th- I do. I do think it does. Yeah, it hurts, I do think it, it, sets, a, it yeah. sets a stereotype that you yeah. have to play ball. Like you have to play ball with them versus yeah. like you don't have to play ball. Yeah. You can be on the sidelines with a ribbon dancer, you know, like you yeah. don't have to do that. You can still be in the field taking up space just not playing, you know? I also think that uh, alongside all of that we've just talked about, the fact that people are not addressing things like empathy, kindness, respect, those things matter way more than how you present yourself when you walk into a room in a business. That might be the first impression, but people build relationships based upon your character, yeah. right? And um, I, I feel like in this time where women are growing and changing and opportunities for women to evolve, continue to become more prevalent even just us on the show you know sharing sharing messages is keeping women at the table it's having them question the stereotypes and bias that we we all have we were born with it i shared on a previous podcast that um one of my friends asked me recently when we were talking about transgender issues and stereotypical roles for men and women and i have a friend that asked me if i was teaching my boy because i have a 21 year old son and an 18 year old daughter 
if I was teaching my boy to fill manly roles and my girl to fill, to, to fill feminine roles in my home, because I'm a single parent. And I, I am. I mean, I, I was really kind of taken aback that as forward thinking as I am, I didn't realize that when, all the, when, the, when a light bulb goes out or like the trash needs taken out, ask my son. When it comes time to get groceries, that's my daughter's chore. And that messed with me so much. I mixed up all the chores. I'm like, okay, you each both have the list. Once a week, you're switching it up. But I, I didn't even realize I was doing it. Yeah. I think that the lessons that we learn about our own bias and what just is naturally something we've learned over generations and generations that came from our parents, 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 to our parents, parents, to our parents, to us. Sometimes we have to just really stop and think about that. Yeah, there's so much unpacking to do with gender uh, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not someone who is going to have children. That's not a role that I want to fulfill, but even just with the way that when we, you know, hear someone say that they are expecting that we immediately want to know what those child's genitals are. It's a baby. We don't need to know if it's a boy or a girl. Mm. It's a baby. It's a human baby. That's exciting enough. Like, mm -hmm. we, you know, we focus so much on that and we have these gender reveal parties and we buy into the certain things that they should wear and do and we're already like programming, you know, kids at a young age to follow yeah. that. And just like in your household, you, you caught yourself and you're just like, what? You, you don't even you know? realize it. You don't it. even realize it. Yeah. You don't even realize it. But it's so ingrained in our society. So it's like definitely time to, to mix up all those roles. And there are definitely people out there who are raising their children like more gender neutral. Mm -hmm. And I was just listening to like a podcast about that on the way to, uh, on the plane and it, you know, the one of the things that their their child in perspective like brought forth as being like a win for them um, was that they just felt like they hadn't been told like no very much. So like they had the ability to like go out and do things that maybe other kids their age like wouldn't do because they didn't have to say their parents like didn't really tell them no, like because, oh, that's a boy thing or a girl mm. thing. You know, the only things that they told, told them no were to like were to, like, make them think about, like, what color bike they wanted instead of, you know, and, and not necessarily buying into, like, what color bike, like, they wanted, but then buying them the bike that was more neutral, mm -hmm. right? So it's it an interesting lesson to hear from, like, the actual, like, perspective of the person who was raised that way to make sure, that, like, they didn't have a harder life. It was actually a lot easier for them in a lot of ways. They get to wear, they just, like, would look at their clothes and be like, that's what's comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of, like, this what's going to make me get this job that's going to make this this person like me this is what it's going to be like no this is what was comfortable this is what i like you know versus yeah. they have their identity that's not prescribed yeah, by right. the society right. as much i mean right. I, we're all we're all definitely have some of that but i mean yeah. it's hard to avoid it it's, it's not like we, yeah, we don't impossible. live on an island so yeah we can't, exactly we can't avoid it but it's impossible but it, at least it makes you think about those yeah. things and question them a little bit more than if just the norm, you know? So I have to ask you a question. Sure. A really important question. And, and forgive me if this sounds um, unknowledgeable to ask, but I have to ask about the word queer. Yes. So I would love to talk about that. Okay. Because um, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't know where I stand on that. I don't know if that's an okay word to use. I mean, you use it in a way that makes me feel like I probably wouldn't say that. Why is that? What, like what's. I definitely had this conversation when I went back to the Midwest as well. Um, I'm not sure if this is something happening on the West Coast or just in Portland, but queer means the spectrum. It means that you are LGBTQ. Okay. It, okay? it doesn't mean anything derogatory like it used to mean. It has definitely been reclaimed. Queer is, 
a culture as much as it is an identification. And so often we get stuck on these labels of I'm gay, I'm bi, you know, and there's like all these different types of sexualities, pansexual and um, ace and all these things that are like all equal, but you know, it's all a spectrum. And so instead of necessarily spelling it out to somebody who you don't know or who you, you may be, you may be fluid um, in those things. What does fluid mean? Fluid means that, um, just like the speaker today was saying, that like some days you're on a spectrum of like, I'm more straight, I'm more queer, I'm more you know non-binary, I'm more trans today, I'm more femme, I'm more masculine. And you can be those things day to day. It can be okay. You don't have to say every day I'm a woman, every day I'm a hard man or, you know, and you, you, but you could. I'm just saying you don't have to. And so queer is a spectrum of, you know, right now in my life, like I'm more attracted to femmes or more in my life, I'm more attracted to people who are non-binary. Like those are all like fluidity of being queer is that I you see. know that you're not necessarily heteronormative, but you do have the ability to like change it up. You know, like you don't necessarily have to be completely gay or completely lesbian or completely whatever. It can be a spectrum, you know, of like who you find attractive, but you do know that like, you know, there's rainbows involved. You know, mm-hmm. let's just put it that way. There's rainbows involved, and it's a good time. <laughs> so it wouldn't be offensive for people to use the word queer, though it's a, even for me to use that word is not offensive. No, it's just like, it's just like I said, I'm a fat femme. People find that word still offensive. It is not offensive. It is literally a descriptor. It is now a descriptor. It is a, now a culture. Uh, I would say that you know, if you have people in your life who, who are LGBT, like maybe it'll allow them to like have space to use that word first. If yeah. your if your town hasn't quite assimilated to that dialogue, like I totally understand that. I know it's like not widespread, as I said, like going back to yeah. the Midwest, like my family questioned me because they also thought maybe that was, I was derogatory. It is no longer derogatory. Um, you know, but it is, it is coming up. I think, I think, I think some LGBT people still, feel like triggered by it. I'm not saying that like all of us are yeah. on the same page. Right. I can't speak for everyone. Of course. Yeah. Um, and I do know that some people like growing up were called that like, you know, in their youth and that for them is like not how they want to like call their spectrum of yeah. gender or their spectrum of sexual identity. But I do think that it is um, definitely a big culture in Portland. And I definitely uh, feel very comfortable calling myself that identifying other people as that and, you know, being a part of a culture that we label as that. Yeah. Well, thank you for clarifying it. I think that the big takeaway I would get from that is that if you're not sure, if, if you're not sure, yeah. let the person that's leading the conversation maybe use terms that they're comfortable with. I mean, yeah. just, just sort of just sort of go with the flow a little bit or ask like I just did. I, I think in most cases... Some people are just not sure and don't want to offend. Um, And I appreciate you letting me ask that question. Yeah, totally. Well, this has been amazing. I think we could talk for a really long time. You're a good talker. (laughs) And you also also asked me some questions, so you're a good interviewer. Yeah, well, you never know. I might take your job, so. You might take my job. (laughs) I would love it if you could take my job. In fact, you should should think about having a podcast one day. I think you have a lot to talk about. You know, you're not the first person to say that, but I mean, I, I, I have a lot going on. I feel... I feel pulled to to give a message, but I don't know how much I could commit to like another thing right now. <laughs> I feel you. Well, let's let's say this. Let's say that when you feel compelled that there's a message that needs to be heard, 
You call me up and we'll do this. Again. Okay, sounds good. Let's deal? pound on it. We're gonna pound, pound on, on it. Bam. Bam. <laughs> All right. Thank you. For thank joining you. Me thank you for listening to another show of Girl. Another show. Another episode of Girl Talk. This is a show, and we will be back soon. Girl Talk. Girl Talk. Girl Talk. Girl Talk. This is Courtney Olson thanking you for joining us. If you want to keep up with us and join us some more, find us on our website at girl.com. That is G-R-R-R-L-G-R-R-R-L.com. You can find our newsletter on there to sign up for that and stay in the now. Or find us on our Instagram at girl underscore clothing. That's girl underscore clothing. And remember, you are enough.